Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Amen. He's always with us. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you even until the end of the world. And how many can say he's been a faithful God? Would you clap your hands and praise him again today? Amen, amen, amen. If you would today, turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 1, 1, verse 6. Also, the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, reading with verse 1. It's so good to be in the house of God. Amen. I, uh, I want to say happy birthday to Sister Iscardo. We're not going to say how old you are because I'm smart. Amen. But I will say happy 40th anniversary to both of you today. And so that's the day we honor them. Enjoyed celebrating with you all. And uh, God is good to us no matter what. He's been good. I want to say we want to, we want to pray for Sister Darla Dean and her family. Yesterday her mother passed away. We want to ask God to give them strength. So before we get in the Word, would you just lift your hands and ask God to strengthen their family. Lord, we pray for Sister Darla Dean, with the dentist Dean and the children. God, I just pray that your hand would be upon their life to comfort them and help them during this time. We pray, Lord, strength in the name of Jesus. God, you're able. I may believe he's still the shelter in the time of storm. When I was growing up in church, we'd sing, Jesus is the rock in the weary land. I know it sounds terrible because that's not the key she's in. But hold the keyboard just a minute. Jesus is the rock in the weary land, weary land. Weary land, Jesus is the rock in the weary land. He's a, nobody knows it here. <laughs> he's a shelter in the time of storm. Look at your neighbor and say, he's a rock in the weary land. Do you believe he's a safe place we can go to and everything we know is going to be all right as long as we're standing on him? And uh, I need to move on. Y'all don't want me to sing that song again. I can feel it. You're saying to me, leave those West Virginia songs in West Virginia. Well, I need to move on. My mind is wondering right now. Psalms 101. Let's turn there. Mine eyes shall be upon who? The faithful. Everybody say the faithful. Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land. That they may dwell with me. Who? The faithful. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. Ephesians, that's the Old Testament, and Ephesians in the New Testament, chapter 1, verse 1, Paul addresses the church, and he writes like this. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath what? Blessed us. Everybody say us. 
with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. God has chosen us in him. And that us, we're called saints. I'm going to tell you one thing. I love the saints of God. I thank God for all the preachers that are saints. But I thank God for just the saints. I got to go home and I got to home last weekend. And you can be seated. I'm going to to preach today about the faithful. I was able to go home last weekend. And I got to see people that I grew up with and Glenn Ferris, I got to see the saints of God that, that were around me when I was just, just a kid. I'm going to tell you something. There's something very powerful about the saints of God. You know who they are? They're the bride of Christ. The Bible also calls them the children of God. Another verse says they are the elect of God. Another verse says they're the apple of his eye. And you know that he's going to present it to himself, a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. I'm going to tell you right now, God loves his people. How many believe God loves his people? He loves his people. And uh, uh, I, I, I thank God for the saints of God. I, I was on an airplane one time, and I was sitting beside a man, and we started talking about, we just started talking about uh, life and what, what do you do, where are you from, which is typical conversation. But, and he was some type of neuroscientist. He was trying to study, honestly, he was trying to study how rats can communicate a thousand miles away. I don't know if that science or ignorance, I don't know. I, I'm trying to weed out the names that's coming to my mind right now. But, but uh, we were sitting there talking and, and then we got on religion because I was a preacher and what do you do, what, what are you part of? And, and he was a believer, but uh, I said, well, who do you pray to? I've never heard of that denomination. He said, well, I pray to icons, which is our term. We would just say icons. And uh, I said, why? Well, because they're such holy people. And I said, well, who are they? And he called the, the icons specific saints in the history of their church that they would pray to an icon. And I said, why don't you just talk to God? You know what he said? Because I'm not worthy to talk to So I have to talk to someone that is worthy enough to talk to God. Can I tell you that in the Old Testament, there was a wall of partition that separated the Jew and the Greek and the bond and the free. We knew it in the tabernacle was the veil that only the high priest could get into the holy of holies to make communion and connection to God for a nation. But when Jesus died at Calvary and he gave himself as became a curse for us, for those that could not live under the law. You know that when Jesus died, you know when he died and gave up the ghost, they didn't take his life, he gave his life. When they drove the nails in his hand, he could have stopped them at any point, but he didn't. He endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. And when he died at Calvary, guess what happened? The veil that separated man from God was ripped from the top to the bottom, giving me and you access to him freely and boldly to come to him and talk to him. All of 
us now can come before the presence of God. Can I say to you, I don't care where you've been, where you come from. He said, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved and shall be delivered. Would you praise him for Calvary? Amen. Somebody once told me that Calvary didn't make a difference. I beg to differ. It makes a difference. No matter where you are or where you're from, you can come to God. Do you believe that? If you believe it, praise him one more time. He believed, this man on the plane believed only a certain few. Certain few in history. You would pray to some person that was dead that would go. I don't believe that. I believe that you and I, and I appreciate you calling up me and saying, Pastor, will you pray for me? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not removing myself from the, your, on your prayer chain, but I will say to you that you have access to God as well. We can make this to where there's only a select few, very few in history that could ever get a hold of God. It's just not true. The Bible talks so much about the body, talks a whole lot about the church, that we are his bride. You can't be the bride and he never talked to you. And you never get to talk to him. How about this? Individually, collaboratively, we are his bride. Individually, we are his sons. You think for a minute we can't go to him and talk to him? The Bible says in John 1, he came into his own, his own received him not, meaning he was a Jew. He came into the Jewish people and they received him not. They crucified him. They rejected him. And that's the truth. That's the truth. He said, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. There's no longer a Jewish church and a Gentile church. It's just the church. He came to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Look at your neighbor and say, it's for you too. To do what? To come out of sin and have access to him. Romans 11 said he grafted us in to his olive tree. You were wild by nature, but now you're the children of God. He gave us power to become sons and daughters to him. That's why he taught his disciples. When you pray, you pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You don't have to come to church to get a hold of God. You need to come to church to have disciples, be discipled and grow in him. But it doesn't matter. They can be bidding, bid you farewell and giving up and rolling you into some operating room just with a hope and a prayer that you'll get better. And you could call in the name of the Lord and he'll hear you because there's no place too far away from God that you can't get access to him through his name. Somebody say amen. Can I say in this building right now, there's still power when you call in the name of the Lord. You can turn yourself around at a bar stool at a tavern and say, I'm sick of this drinking. I'm sick of this like Jesus. And he'll come right down to that bar room and turn you around. He is able. Do you believe he's able? Amen. You can call on his name. The Bible says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous can run into and be safe. I believe when you say Jesus, it's instantaneous. It's faster than your cell phone. It's faster than lightning. It's faster than the speed of light. When you say Jesus, the Lord moves immediately upon your life. I want everybody to say Jesus. Jesus. We love the name of the Lord around here. Y'all, we, we believe there's power in his name. Bible says whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name. We pray in his name. 
We bless our food in his name. We send our kids to school in his name. We send them away to college in his name. We get married in his name. We get buried in his name. We get baptized in his name because we believe there's power in the name of God. Come on, we lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus. We've seen blinded eyes open in the name of Jesus because we as saints believe we can call on him and he will hear us. If you believe that, clap your hands and shout hallelujah. Amen. Now, why am I talking about this? Because I want you to understand that we are imperfect people that are perfecting. There's not just a few of us that can get a hold of God. All of us, he's given the opportunity to come in, to repent, to change our life. Repent means to turn from your sin. And guess what? He can allow you, he will allow you to become a son of God or righteous person before him. Anybody can be saved. Do you believe that? Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord, the Bible says they shall be saved. So what I'm saying is I'm thankful for the saints of God that know how to call on the name of the Lord. I think sometimes we only honor the pulpit. And I appreciate pastor appreciation, pastor's wives appreciation. We appreciate you honor the ministry. But can today, can I tell you that I'm thankful for you? Can I say to this congregation, I'm thankful that you pray for me? I have saints that come to me and I'll see them, people that I grew up with. They say, I just want you to know I pray for you every single day. I stopped one of them and I said, that doesn't mean anything to me because you're not a preacher. I didn't say that. You feel a shockwave coming over this church when I said that? I didn't say that. Because I know they know how to touch God. Just like those camp evangelists I've enjoyed over the years. And I've watched them be faithful. And I've seen God. You know why they're faithful? Because God is faithful. And that Jesus, in the scripture when he said, be ye holy as I am holy, he also wants us to be faithful as he is faithful. You know one thing you can know about God is he's faithful. The Bible says he will keep his promises because He's faithful. He is a faithful God, unwavering in everything that he does. There's verses that declare him, and it says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not like Brother Iscardo. It's your 40th anniversary, stand up. He told me the other day, he said, I can't lift as much as I used to. I'm not making you look bad, but he's getting older. Sure. The Lord is older than you. Yes, he is. And he's never weakened one day ever. Amen. He is as strong now yes. as he was when he said, let there be light. And he created the universe. He hasn't weakened one day. He's not weakened. Don't ever say, I don't want to bother God with my itty bitty problems. Amen. He's the rock of ages. He's the ancient of days. And amen. He's unwavering in who he is. He's not sitting up on the throne wondering about tomorrow. What is going to do with your situation? I just don't know. I don't know if I have time. I don't have any energy. I just don't feel like that. No, 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 no. No, he, did, he only rested from creation, not because he was weary, but to be an example to us to know that we are limited. He didn't have to rest because he doesn't weaken with time. He's omniscient, omnipotent. He's all powerful. He said, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. And what I'm preaching to you is don't think for a minute he can't fix what you're going through because he's bigger than anything that you're going through. He's stronger than any trial that you have. Clap your hands and praise him today.
So when, you may be seated, when you are talking about God, when you're talking about God, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, but I will be with you even until the end. We find verses like in Zechariah when he said, I am the Lord and I change not. He's not one way one day. He's not one way another day. He's not moody. He's God. He's perfect in all of his ways. Amen. You walk away from God, guess what? He remains God. You come to God, he's still God. You come back to God, he's the same way he was when you left him. He doesn't change based upon your situation. And we gotta quit changing who God is based upon what we're going through. Well, I don't know if he loves me because of this. If he said he loved you, he's gonna love you no matter what you're going through. And you gotta turn your faith back to him and say, I know you know where I'm at. Quit changing who he is based upon your day. Quit labeling God based upon your week, some years, and start realizing he's good all the time. Amen, somebody shout for he's good. And that's why when you come into this building, you come into this sanctuary, it might be snowing, it might be raining, it might be sunshine, it might be too cold for a guy that doesn't have any hair. It might be too cold for the old. I don't know. But when you come to the house of God, there's one thing that's not wavering. It's he is good. When you get up in the morning, he's good. When you go to bed tonight, he's good. He is faithful. Somebody shout, God is good. All the time. And that's why the Bible says when you come into his gates, enter, make a joyful noise. Somebody say, make a joyful noise. Enter his gates with and into his courts with praise. No matter what I'm going through, God, you're worthy. You've been good to me in the past. I know you're gonna bring me through this right now because God, you're not against me, you're for me. I thank you, Lord, that you won't ever leave me, you won't ever forsake. Come on, I'm preaching about God today. He is faithful, he is true, he's unwavering. And brother Nehemiah, I've got a feeling everything's gonna be all right. I've just got a feeling he's gonna work it out. He's gonna make a way. He's gonna tear, he's gonna tear down the trial, remove the wall, remove the storm in your life. Look at your neighbor and say, God is faithful. He's faithful when you're wrong. He's faithful when you're right. He's faithful when you're up. He's faithful when you're down. He's faithful all the time. Bible says he's our rock. You want me to sing that song again or not? Jesus is our rock in the weary land. You can be seated. Amen. The Bible says, talks about we can go to the rock. It's higher than we are. And I'm glad to tell you today that Psalms 40, if you'll turn there. Psalms 40 and verse 1. Everybody say God is faithful. In Psalms chapter 40, in verse 1, it's a powerful portion of Scripture. Look what it says. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. You know what that means? When I was in trouble, He's not. When you were bad, He's still good. When you're unrighteous, He's still righteous. He never wavers in His holiness, in His strength, and His love. Somebody say amen. 
Look what verse 2 says. He picked me, he brought me up also out of an horrible pit. Out of the miry clay. And set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. You know what he did? He pulled me out of the mess I was in. Set my feet on something stable. And established my to and fro. My up and down. My mind scattered. My, my emotions all over the map. He established me and he allowed me to become what? Faithful. He allows me to become faithful in my morality. Faithful in my decisions. Faithful in my commitments. Let me talk to all the Monday dieters here today. I'm going to start that on Monday and the last till Wednesday. Can I get a witness from somebody? Same ones going to the gym. Praise God. Go to the gym. You got New Year's resolutions getting ready to come up. That's going to be shattered all over the map. How many know it's true? It's easy to start something. It's hard to. It's easy to come to the altar and he pull you up out of the pit. But somewhere you got to let him establish your goings. You got to let him establish your inconsistencies. You got to let God establish your unfaithfulness. Anybody can be a one-shot wonder and have a moment, but I'm not talking about moments today. He describes his church, not only as saints, which means righteous, called out people. He describes his church as the faithful. Everybody say the faithful. Faithful people. Faithful people. I go back to church in West Virginia. Excuse me, I had a great moment seeing some people. The lady that served me in the hospital when I was stepped on two nails. She'd come in and wash my feet every day and I'd talk to her about church and she came and became our children's ministry. But I stepped on those two nails in the hospital 14 days and almost died of a blood infection. She came to the church where my dad started. Came a, a, a leader there in the church, Martha Angel. Powerful lady of God. Served faithfully in that church. Service after service. I don't remember services that she was not there. She was always there. She was always, like the Marines, simplify, always faithful. She was there consistently. And the other day I went back and sure enough, there she was. And I had the Bible, Brother Danny, Brother Danny and his leather works that he's doing. He took the Bible that bought me in like 1998 and I had my, my, my cover come off of it. He, he put a new leather, leather uh, cover on it. Did a great work on that. I, that Bible was valued, valuable to me. You know why? Because a saint bought that for me. Thompson Chain Bible. And I promote him publicly here today. Amen. So glad God's given our young people creati creativities and giftings. He fixed that Bible. He fixed that Bible. And while I'm preaching there on a Sunday night, and I said, Sister Martha, I said, I'm preaching with the Bible that you bought me, I don't know, many, many years ago. And I look back and she's still faithful. You think that mean, it meant something to me as a PK. What do you think that means to God? Through trials and tribulations, you remain on the rock. Through the, through the goings and comings of life and changing of politics and changing of economy and changes of circumstances and changes of life and you remain faithful. It means something to God to be faithful. Life has its ups and downs. Amen. Sometimes you're going to serve God and not understand why there's some unanswered prayers and sometimes why things aren't going the way you think they ought to go. But there's something about a person that remains resolute and says, I don't have to understand all the ways of God, but I know one thing. He never changes and he's always faithful. So I will remain faithful to him. 
There's no situation that allows you to become bad, to justify unrighteousness. Well, if God wouldn't have done this, then I, no, no, no. You say, I'm gonna be what he wants me to be. Psalms 37 says, do good. Look at your neighbor and say, do good. I can't find the Bible where it says, be bad. I just don't like how things are going. I'm gonna go and go, oh, no, that's the way it works. I will wait on the Lord because he pulled me out. He established my goings. I don't have to lose my mind because things aren't going the way they are. I'm just going to remain. You know what sometimes doing nothing is doing something? Look at your neighbor and say, just keep on standing. I know they're sitting right now, but just look at your neighbor and say, just keep on standing. And the Bible says through the tricks of the devil, through the wiles of the devil, when you haven't done all to stand, stand therefore. You know why? Because the Lord's going to come through. I hear that old song in my head. Through trials and tribulations, I made it over. I made it over. Today, I'm preaching to somebody that might have something pressing against you, facing you, that is opposing you, and you don't know what to do. I'm gonna tell you exactly what to do. Just keep standing and waiting because God will be faithful. Somebody shout, God will be faithful. You can be seated. Where's Sister Jamie Hanna at? Where's Sister Jamie at? I want her to stand. Come up here, Sister Jamie. Come up here, Brother Jason. I'll never forget the phone call that he called and said, there's something not right with my wife. She's acting like it's another day. She's, she's confused in her thinking. She, she doesn't even know. Do you remember when you called? He was desperate. And they went in. They treated her as a stroke. Walk up here with me. They treated her... Uh, said, told him that she's, she's a stroke victim. She had a clotted artery in her juggler. She had five brain aneurysms in her brain. They said, worst case scenario of coming into the hospital. It was desperation. The brain was bleeding and the pressure of the blood coming in, not able to go out, was, abs- was shifting her brain to one side. It was a small, small possibility of anything getting better. But prayer was made. How many years has that been? It's been five years ago. And I come to tell you, the Lord is faithful. The Lord is faithful. And we give honor to God in these moments because he is good. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Somebody shout, the Lord is good. And because he's good, you know what I want to do? I want to remain faithful. I want to remain good to him. If it wasn't for the Lord, where would I be? Sister Sharp, I look over and you had a husband that lost to a brain aneurysm. But I've watched you remain faithful to God when he didn't get the miracle because you know I trust him when I can't see the road. He is my guiding light. Listen, we know there's hope on the other side. We know there's a heaven on the other side. Clap your hands and say the Lord is faithful. Thank you. Amen, amen, amen. Somebody shout God is faithful. Do you believe he'll make a way when there is no way? Man, I feel like preaching to somebody. He knows how to bring you out. You need to just jump up and say in the name of Jesus, I'm coming out of this. In the name of Jesus, the Lord is gonna bring me through.
Somebody shout, God is faithful. You may be seated. I look back and what does it mean to be faithful? What does it mean to be faithful? Well, the Bible describes Moses as the faithful one in Israel. I looked it up. It's a, it's a word that's spelled a little bit different than amen. It's, it's a word that's aman, A-M-A-N. That's the, that's the word, Hebrew word for faithful. That word means to support. It's a word that you can get the foster parent from or a nurse to foster as a parent or nurse. It means to be firm, faithful. It means to trust something you can believe in. It means to be permanent. It means to be morally, to be true or certain. It's a word that means to the right hand as we see in scripture. My right, to my right hand. Words like, they're my right hand man. What does that mean? I can lean on them because they are what? Dependable. They're faithful. The word means to support, to confirm. It means to be a pillar. It means to be established. Not tossed in, to and fro with every wind of doctrine. This is what I believe. This is what I know. And this is who I am. Not wavering with fads, culture, economics, prestige, or position. You ever see somebody change? They got a hierarchy thing. I have. I've seen it. People. But faithful means not changed by circumstance or promotion. Just faithful. Everybody say faithful. And when God looks out in this building today, there's, there's, there's a couple things I see when, when he says, enter in thou good and faithful. The Bible says there's none good, no, not one. There's none good, no, not one. Then why is it when we enter into heaven, he's going to say, enter in thou good? I'm going to tell you why. Because faithfulness will make us good. Faithfulness is what changes us to become like him. I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about a great moment for a week. I'm not talking about a good five-year run of righteousness. I'm talking about where you're committed that no matter what happens, I'm going to remain faithful to God. That's a covenant with God. I changed when I made a covenant with God, Bryce. When I was 15 years old, I got on my face and buried my face before the Lord. I said, no matter what happens, I'm going to remain faithful. Didn't mean I was perfect, but it meant I kept in the right direction. And my direction determined my destiny. My direction determined my desire because I made a covenant with God. No matter who walks away from me, no matter what I go through, I'm going to serve the Lord. Have I been perfect in the process? No, nope. but when I fail, I fell forward in that direction. And I just got back up because the Bible says a just man falls down seven times, but he'll get up. So rejoice not against me, O mine enemies, for when I fall, I shall arise because I know where I'm going. I'm resolute. I want to be faithful. I want God to be pleased with me. Somebody say faithful. Now, young people, I'm going to talk to you about something that's going, I believe, stir you today. And I, this goes for everybody. But can I take a moment and teach these young people something that I think that God dealt with me this morning on out of his word. In Luke 16, in Luke 16, there's this parable about a man that, that found out his 
owner of the business he worked for was coming back and he hadn't done the way he should have done. And he started giving people discounts so, because he knew he was going to get fired and he needed somebody to give him mercy, so he gave mercy. But Luke 16 and verse 10, it says, I'm moved by this. It says, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. That means you will never be faithful having when you get more than you are with what you have right now. Well, if I just had a million dollars, if I just had a new job, if I just got the promotion, if I just got the opportunity, then I would. That's not what the Bible says. Jesus taught quite the different. He said, if you're not faithful over what I've given you now, you'll never be faithful if you have more. How can I trust you with more if you can't take care of this now? How many of you want to be world changers? Come on. How many of you want to be world changers? Let me ask the young people, how many of you want to make a difference in your world, but you can't clean your room? Well, I heard a mom say, Some of the young people are saying, my mom's called the pastor. It was your dad. Your heavenly father, amen. You want to change the world, but you don't want to take care of small responsibilities. Jack Cunningham writes in his book, If I Can, Anyone Can. He said, how can you change the world if you can't organize your room? See, God watches how you take care of temporal things, things that are placed in your life. Do you care for that? When you get that 10 bucks, you're wanting a million, but you can't handle 10 bucks very well. And God judges this the same way. Because, well, if I had a better job, I'd be more faithful to the job. But I, I, just, I just feel like I deserve more money than minimum wage. Remember, if you agreed to minimum wage when you signed the contract to work for them, you should work that as under the Lord. Well, I just don't feel like I'm underpaid. You agreed to that salary, so you give it your best. And guess what God will do? God will promote you in due time. Faithfulness is not just something He expects at the house of God. It's something He expects on the job. In this land that we call America, when you're working, the Bible says work for them as under the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, this is good teaching. Whatever your hand findeth to do, you do it with all your might. And he said, he goes on and says this. He says, if therefore, if therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, talking about what I'm talking about, unrighteous, just talking about temporal stuff or temporal money, who will commit to your trust the true riches how can you expect God to trust you with things in the kingdom if you can't be trusted with a minimum wage job? How can you be expected with, with the responsibility of a nation, the responsibility of a city, the responsibility of a church, the responsibility of a department if you can't be faithful over the gifts and the talents that God has given you now? You see, God's watching you. We all thought it was meant just to see if we would sin, but God watches how we handle our business. Look at your neighbor and say, God watches how you handle your business. And before he can trust you with the riches of the kingdom, I just want to say to you, there's a whole lot more to life than 401ks and retirement funds and, and, and portfolios and nice cars and nice homes. There's a whole lot more to life than that. That's the riches of man that we need to eat and provide and have. There's nothing wrong with having nice things. 
We believe that all good gifts come of the Father of lights. Thank God for the car. Thank God for the home. Thank God for the clothes. Thank God for the shoes. Thank God for the food. Can you say amen? I thank God for it. But there's more to life than just having stuff. How about having a ministry, a calling, something that God leans on you for you to fulfill? Something that God pulls you near to him and says, I want you to do this for me. Her name was Sister Frazier. Sister Frazier is passed away not too long ago. She's from Jackson, Mississippi. Her son is now the pastor in Jackson, Mississippi. Her son, uh, it's, it was the city where Jackson School of Ministries was for many years, College of Ministries. And uh, she was a, just a precious saint there. She was blind, but she had a gift. She was blind, but she was a seer. She could see things in the spirit. She could walk through the church blind and go sit down beside somebody and give them a word from the Lord that nobody else would have known anything about. Walk through the seats, sit down with somebody and say, the Lord told me to tell you without seeing their face, even knowing that they were there, she was led by the Lord. The Lord told her one time, he said, uh, he told her, he said, uh, I could open your eyes and I want you to know I have seen this close. Five people blinded his eyes open. But the noise is going to be preaching here on Wednesday night. And I got to see that in Guatemala there preaching for him. Aren't we glad to have them back? Amen. Stand, Sister Olivia. This is Sister Olivia Barrientos. Aren't we glad to have her back with us? Amen. Here for the next week. We're so blessed. You were there in the meeting and uh, uh, Brother Hernando's there. My brother, you remember those blind eyes. Five in one meeting. Five people, blind eyes open. That guy came to the church. The next service, one of them, they got and when they come in, somebody saw him, went to help him because you need to help the blind person down the steps. And, and they grabbed his hand. He shook them off like, I don't need you anymore. Amen. Walked right in church, went up and found a seat and sat down. Sister Frazier was blind. And the Lord told her, he said, I could open your eyes. I could open your eyes. But you wouldn't give the word to the people I would give you a word for if you saw their face. So you can have your sight or you can have a ministry. She chose to have a ministry over having her sight. Because God can give you a word for somebody until you see who it is. Then you're like, oh my goodness. Try to be the pastor and have a word. Sometimes I've had a word and been intimidated to give it. And sometimes the Lord say, Lord, tell me, you're to serve me. God told me one time, he said, if you don't tell them, then I can't use you. That's what the Lord told me one time. I didn't want to tell them because I didn't want to be rejected. I didn't want them getting mad at me. He told her, he said, if you saw their face, you wouldn't want to give them the word. One time she told her husband, she said, well, listen to this powerful story. She told her husband, she said, get the yellow pages out and, uh, find, and read me the hospitals in such and such city. Started reading, started reading hospitals out loud. She came to a specific hospital. She said, that one, I want you to drive me to that hospital. When they pull in, She's getting the hospital. He said, she said to him, lead me to such and such room. In my mind, it's just 3109. And they go up to room 3109, knock on the door. When they open the door, it's one of the neighboring pastors in that city. And he said, Sister Frazier, what are you doing here? No one knows we are in the hospital, not even our own children. How do you know? She said, the Lord sent me to you. There's more riches than money and a nice car and a promotion. There's something special about people who choose to be faithful to God. And I feel this for this congregation. 
You got to make up in your mind whether you're going to try to please men or you're going to try to please God. For he said in Galatians 1 and, 1 and 6, 7 and 8 and 9 10, he makes the statement how people fall away from truth. But he said, if you seek to please men, he said, you should not be the servant of Christ. How many know that? Pleasing God is not about always pleasing people. It's not my role to please you. It's my role to please him. Sometimes that pleases you and sometimes it makes you mad. I mean, no, truth hurts sometimes. The word of God is like a sword sometimes. It corrects and instructs, but it betters you. How many want to remain the same or how many want to grow in the Lord? Clap your hands and say, I want to grow in the Lord. I'm talking about being faithful. I'm talking about being faithful. Because faithful means resolute. There is a something in God that when he sees you can handle temporal things, or right now I believe you can handle spiritual things. How can you be obedient to God if you can't be obedient to your, your parent? How can you be obedient to God if you can't be obedient to spiritual authorities over you? But there is a place in God that God says, I trust you now. I want to give you something. And the Bible says to seek earnestly the best gifts. How many know there's gifts of God that aren't monetary value? Simon the sorcerer tried to pay to have that power. And Paul, re Peter rebuked him strongly because this isn't for purchase. You don't get a spiritual gifting according to how much money you put in the offering plate. You get to a place that God said, I can trust them now because you've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many. We could have young people in this room that could cast out spirits that have been binding cities and binding families. Amen. The Bible calls them principalities and strongholds. We could have seniors in the building that carry such spiritual authority that they can rebuke things and remove things from people's lives because there's power in a faithful saint. Do you believe there's power in a faithful saint? Let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story about when I was a teenager. Misty, I'm so glad you're here, my neighbor. Misty, when I was a teenager, I, was, I grew up in church, had an amazing family, amazing family. My parents, amazing people. And I grew up in church, but I didn't know what I had. I went to church many times and sat in the seat and listened to my dad preach. I knew he was a great preacher. I loved going to church, but I didn't know what I had. I, did, I didn't realize how valuable church was. I didn't realize how valuable the kingdom of God really is. And I sat through service after service. Sometimes my heart wasn't right. Thinking about being somewhere else, doing something else. And I did not know whether I was going to be living for God in a year or not when I was 14 or 15. I didn't know. I'd go to youth camp every year. Olivia, I'd go to youth camp every year. And every year I'd go to youth camp, there's these couple guys. You know what it means when they say, come out of the gate? It's like when the gate of youth camp opened on the first server. Here they were running and shouting and dancing. And I was back there with my hands folded. I used to pray, Lord, don't come till Thursday because I'll get my heart right by Thursday at youth camp. Amen. Here they were, Pascal Christ. He'd be running. He'd be worshiping. Rob Fazalor would be worshiping God and loving God. And I remember sitting back there thinking as a teenager, 13 and 14 and 15. I mean, they were 12 and 13 years old during the day service. He'd lean over the pulpit and there was a little ledge. West Virginia has like this high ledge. I mean, their platform's like this high in the air. And he would, are y'all listening to me today? He would climb up on the edge of that and preach like he's third, when he's third. I'm like, he came out of the womb preaching. He's like John the Baptist. This guy's had it since he's in the womb, my lads. He's a kid and he's preaching like a man. And I remember thinking to myself, how does he do it? I'm back there 
wavering. A month, uh, a month or so after youth camp, I find myself back in the same rut, going to church, routine, spiritual experiences every now and then. Not that I wasn't thankful, but I didn't know what I had. I hadn't made a covenant with God yet. Sister Barb, I hadn't made a covenant with the Lord yet. I didn't know how long I was going to live for God. There was no option about whether I was going to go to church or not. Mom and daddy's going to take me to church. It didn't matter what it was. We were going to church. They were faithful. Thank God for faithful parents. Thank God for faithful parents. I can't tell you what that's meant to me over the years. Their faith, their stability, their rock has, has carried me through so much in so many years. And I'll never forget years later, God called me to preach and I'd been preaching for some time and I was asked by Pascal Kreitz to come back and preach the West Virginia youth camp. I can't tell you what type of honor that was for me to go back and preach at that camp that I used to dream about preaching at. And I preached and somewhere after one of the evening services, we walked off Holy Hill, they call it where the tabernacle was, they called it Holy Hill. We walked down the hill and we're sitting outside the cafeteria. We're sitting outside the cafeteria, sitting on one of those old benches under the porch. He said, Aaron, I ever tell you my story? I said, no. He said, you know, uh, you know all those years going to youth camp, he said, my parents didn't live for God. He said, my mom didn't go to church and my dad, my stepdad didn't go to church. And he says, quite the opposite, actually. He said, remember how powerful those youth camps were? I said, yeah, I'll never forget how powerful. We'd pray at one o'clock in the morning. Sometimes two o'clock in the morning, they were powerful. People drunk in the Holy Ghost. It was powerful, just like the book of Acts. And he said, man, you know, you know, we'd leave Friday night on fire for God and want to do something for God. I was like, yeah. He said, I'd get home, get off that church van, walk up the doors to the church. He said, when I get up the doors to the house, he said, when I would open that door and I'd smell the smoke in the house, he said, I was reminded nobody in this house wants to hear what God did for me this week. He said, I'd go in my room and he said, I'd put my suitcase there and go get a drink. He said, I had to reach past the stuff in the refrigerator. Be reminded again, nobody in this house cares what God did to me tonight in during the week. He said, you know what I do? He said, I go in my bedroom because I can't control what they do in their room. He said, I go in my bedroom and I put verses. I'd write verses and put them on my wall. He said, I had a, got the camp CD and put in my CD player. Anybody know what a CD is? All right. Put a CD in. And he said, as of the camp choir and the preacher. He said, I'll turn that on and shut my bedroom door. He said, I'd just start praising God. I'd sing with the choir and I'd preach with the preacher. And he said, well, nobody else. He said, because if I didn't clean my room, whatever it was, he said, whatever it was, I'd get in trouble. He said, I would be grounded from church. I don't think anybody ever grounded anybody from church. Can there be an amen in the building? Grounded from church. He said, I had a cousin. He said, you know, Robbie. Yeah, we were buddies. He said, he said, he said, Robbie and I, we would get grounded. And we were also grounded from grandma's house because grandma was our only common denominator going to the house of God. So they wouldn't let us go to grandma's house at the same time because they knew we'd have church together at grandma's house in her basement. They had a makeshift podium. He said, but I wanted to live for God. He said, I'd leave my suitcase unpacked. He said, that way... Or packed in. He said, I want to unpack my suitcase. He said, every now and then I get discouraged. I stick my head in that suitcase. And what smelled like musty boys dorm rooms to some smell like and remind me of the anointing of God at that youth camp. You know what we need in this church? We need a move of God that they can never get away from. We've got to have a move of God. That's what they need. They need to feel God. 
They need to feel the presence of God. They need to feel the spirit of God. It's what will make a young person want to be faithful is the connection they have to a move of God. You know what I say every time we have church, let there be a move of God in this church. Every Sunday night, every Sunday morning, every Wednesday, let there be a move of God. Pascal and Robbie decided to be faithful. Everybody shout faithful. They decided to be faithful. You can be seated. They decided to be faithful to God, even in the unwavering times. You know what they would do? Pascal said, I would go down. He said, I'd go down to grandma's basement. I'd go to grandma's house because Robbie wasn't allowed to come when I was there. He said, I would pray and seek God until God give me a word for Robbie. He said, I'd write a word down and I'd put it on the podium. He said, when Robbie would come, just teenage boys. He said, when Robbie would come, he said, he'd go downstairs to grandma's house and he'd see on the podium what the Lord had gave me for him because we need a word from the Lord. How many know we need a word from the Lord? And you're not too young to get a word from the Lord. You're not too young to be used of God. You're not too young. How many believe that? Just got to be faithful. You got to be faithful. I'm not talking about just going to church. I'm talking about being faithful to God. I mean, anybody can go to church, but I'm talking about living for God when you leave the church. God gives you the ability to have grace. How many believe this? Paul said, I am what I am because of Jesus Christ. In us is no good thing. Can I tell you, none of you can live good enough to please God. You can only get righteous because God's given you the ability to be righteous. It's called the grace of God. Brother Nehemiah, I want everything God wants me to be. Brother Zion, I want to be everything God wants me to be. I don't want to be just a churchgoer. I want to be righteous. I want to be pure. I want to be faithful. Watch what happens. Rob would go down and he would read on the podium a word from Pascal and start worshiping God. It would feed his spirit because he couldn't go to church and get a sermon. And he would pray until he got a word. And he would give that word. He would give that word and uh, write a word down for Pascal and vice versa. That's how they made it through the hard times. Teenage boys remaining faithful. You're not too young to be faithful. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not too young to be faithful. Come on, that's for everybody. Make you feel better for all the older ones in the building. You're not too young to be faithful. But watch what happens. Rob. Rob was in the same situation. Even had a family member that was a witch. Pray against the family. Things in there. But listen to me, what I'm telling you is both boys grew up and became men of God. Both became the youth presidents in that district United Pentecostal Church. Both are pastors today, one pastor in that home church they were raised in. One of them learned five or seven languages. Brilliant, school teacher. Five or seven languages. He learned languages to be a missionary. He got a burden for Togo, Africa, and he went. While he was there in one of the neighborhoods, it was, it was, it was controlled by witchcraft. How many know witchcraft is real? If you believe in the Bible, you believe in that. It was controlled by witchcraft. He said, we preached, we taught, and nothing happened. We kept preaching and teaching, nothing. He said, we decided to have prayer meeting. We started praying, and he said, while we started praying, in that community, there was a teak tree. Everybody say a teak tree. Teak wood, that's where they make furniture out of that. But a teak tree was a, was a, a tree that was centered in one of those villages, and that's where people would come and bring the gifts to that witchcraft and bring the, their, their fruit and money. That's where it was a center of that village bound by witchcraft. He said, but while we were praying and started calling on the name of the Lord, he said, fire came out of heaven and burnt that tree from the top to the bottom. 
When it did, the backbone of that region was broken by the enemy. Amen. It was the enemy was broken. 500 people were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because if you'll be faithful, there are true riches of power. There's true riches of giftings. There's true riches of purpose and destiny. Somebody say amen. I was with, I was with Rob Fazalor. We're about the same age. I was with him earlier this year at the youth convention. I said, I don't want to embellish the story. You've got to tell me. I want to make sure it's accurate. Everything I've told you to this point is accurate. He said, not only that, he said, there was a man there that had died and been laying in his house for five days. They were waiting to give him an appropriate burial. Five days. He said, but when that fire fell and God moved and there was a breakthrough, he said, that man raised up from his house and came alive. And he's now a preacher in that village today because there's power in faith saints. There's power in faithful people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The devil does not want me to preach what I'm preaching to you right now, but I come to tell you there's power in a praying church. There's power in the saints to pray. There's power in the people of God. Jump to your feet and clap your hands and say there's power in prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I wish we'd get the fire of of Sister Smith. Amen. Remain standing. I wish we'd get the fire of Sister Smith. She told me, she told me one time, she was only only working. Everybody say there's power. Do you believe God listens to you when you pray? I tell you what I feel like God's going to do. He's going to bring a revival to the atheist. You listen to this preacher. God's about to wake up a whole group of atheists. He's going to do it. God's going to bring his power and they're going to fall on their knees and repent and say, there's a God. God's about to do something in this nation. I believe this. Sister Smith, Sister Ferris's mother, she was here not too long ago. She preached or she taught Sunday school for 70 years, she told us. She's 97 years old. Still wears high heels. Always wear high heels. She's not even five foot without them. She came one time, she said, I've got a problem. I said, what is it? She said, you know, I work at Wendy's. I said, yes. She only worked to give to the kingdom and give to missionaries. She said, the managers treat me really bad. When she told me that, I felt fire burning in my feet. Who in the world could treat this lady bad? My goodness, I thought, they don't know what they're doing messing with an elderly lady that's wiping tables to give to missionaries. She's got true riches. She's got access to God. The Lord trusts her with her righteousness because of her faithfulness. Somebody say amen. amen. I said, oh, sister, I'll stand right here. I said, Sister Smith, what can I do? Oh, she said, I don't want you to do anything. She said, I'm going to pray her out. <laughs> true riches. That's what she said. She said, I'm going to pray her out. It was a week or two later. I went to Sister, sister Smith, came up and talked to me. She said, well, Brother Bounds. I said, yes. She said, she's gone. <laughs> they moved her to another city. She said, and they're recognizing me as the employee. I think it was the employee of the year. They came down and recognized her. And the, the, the people from the, re, uh, the main regional hub, whatever, from the state came down and honored her as the employee of the month or year, whatever it was. I'm going to tell you, you don't want to mess with somebody that's faithful. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah, there's power in a saint of God. 
thank God for our preachers, but it's not just the preachers that have access to God. When you call upon him and you're faithful, you've got the true riches of his grace, the true riches of his power. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. amen. Praise God. To hear his voice. To hear his voice is a true riches. To feel his presence. You're going to have money and have no peace. That's not riches. That's just mammon. But when you, listen, I'm in my 40s. There's nothing more valuable than the peace of God. I grew up with it. I don't want to ever depart from it. But to have a relationship with God. Paul said in Ephesians, he said, sit down in, in heavenly places and receive things. Young people, do you want to be used of God? Somehow can be blind but yet see? Can be deaf and yet hear? You don't know how you know things, but just know the voice of God and God tell you things. I've seen God move marvelously. I throw the story this morning, just remain standing. Just be seated. I'll let you pray at your seats. I'm, 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 that doesn't mean I'm preaching a lot longer. But there's something convicting in that chapter of Luke. He says, when you have all this stuff, and you don't do anything with it. Having it, but you do nothing with it. And that's where he said in Luke 16 about a rich man that went to hell. Because when Lazarus, stand up with the Danny. When Lazarus lay, laid his feet, laid his feet. I want you to lay down his feet. When this man that was hungry, hurting, and needing was laid at the man that had all the answers, Lay, lay all the way down if you will. The Bible says he fared sumptuously every day and he asked for just a portion of what he had. He steps over him every day and goes his way. And he was talking about the Pharisees. He was talking about people that had religion but didn't care about people that didn't have untruths. The Bible says he knew the prophets. He knew the law. He was a churchgoer. The Bible says he went to hell. The Danny is not fair to have the true riches of his grace and to do nothing with it. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about giftings and talents and things that God's put in you to be through you, not just for you, but through you. And it gets, he comes back home and he steps right over him again, going back to his luscious table with everything you can imagine. There are things God's put in you. There's things God's put in us that are not just for us. It's the responsibility to be trusted. If you're faithful over a few things, I'm going to make you... What I'm saying is, cities could be changed because of you. Togo, Africa could be changed because of you. A life could be changed forever because of you. What are you doing with what God's given you? I, I told the story this morning, and thank, thanks for helping me. I don't want God to put somebody in my life, and I don't, 
do what God would want me to do. Michael, uh, Mike Croston preached Wednesday, it's possible to make living for God an idol. Just going, checking the boxes. But no relationship to hear the voice of God. This isn't about going to church. I'm not talking about just faithful attending. I'm talking about being faithful to God and seeking the Lord. You can read your Bible and not to read your Bible. But then you can read your Bible to know God. There's a difference. Am I helping y'all today? His name's J.T. Pugh. J.T. Pugh, powerful preacher from Texas. He was in prayer, had a vision of a young Chinese boy. And he was so moved by the vision that he would preach about it, tell his family about it. That one of these days, I'm going to meet this boy. I think he was six years old. It was in his spirit. It wasn't just a vision. It was a moment. He'd preach about it. He'd get older. He'd always say, before I die, I'm going to meet this. I'm going to see this. I'm going to know what happened. What happened is it was on a specific day that he was praying, and God showed him a, showed him a, a young boy in China. And he prayed for him on a specific date. He wrote it down, as we should. And uh, years later, somebody had heard the story and made a connection. And they found this boy. There's billions in China. Somehow was able to connect him to a boy that's now a grown man. And when they met, what happened is that boy's dad was a preacher. China had come in because of underground church and had come in and taken his dad away. And that boy started calling on God. And when he started calling on God, a preacher on the other side of the world, God showed him his face. And he started praying that God would protect that boy and whatever he was going through. And that boy became a preacher. And that boy, that happened on the same date the date that they came and took his dad was the date that J.T. Pugh had a vision of a boy that needed God. Can't tell me that God can't use you. Somebody's depending on you. I, I hear this. Quit making living for God all about you. You will never be fulfilled making living for God about you. It's not about me. It's about him and somebody that needs him through me. <laughs> Take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself. I hear that today. There's a call of God. I don't want to get to my grave and I never made a difference in anybody. Home won't satisfy it. A career will not satisfy it. But there's true riches that you can find in the Lord that God can speak to your spirit. I want you to lift your hands and say, God, I want to do more. I want to be better. I want to be such a faithful person that you can trust me to help somebody get out of where they are. I don't want to be a churchgoer only. I want to be the faithful. I want to be the saint. I want to be the one you can speak to. I want to be the one that can hear your voice. 
I want to be the one that experiences those things in Scripture that are supernatural things. Come on, there's somebody in your life that God wants you to impact. But He's waiting on you to be faithful. He's waiting on you to be what He wants you to be instead of what you think you should be. Come on, everybody in the building, I want you praying right now. Come on, where's the J.T. Pugh at in the building? Where's the Sister Frazier in the building? Where's the Rob Fazalore? Where's Pascal? Where's the faithful? Oh, you're here. This building's filled with them today. You just got to realize who you are. And say, God, I want to be faithful. Because I want to fulfill the purpose that you called me to feel. Let's all stand to our feet. There's more for you. I hear that today. There's more for you. God's got more for you than just existing. He's calling you to a place of responsibility that He trusts you with somebody's life. He trusts you with somebody's eternity. There's a call of God in here. Don't make excuses. Be faithful. And I promise you, your emotions will stabilize. You'll have more fulfillment of life than just living from meal to meal and meeting to meeting. You'll find true purpose and destiny in your life and somebody's life will be changed because you live. I want everybody in the building praying right now. There's a call of God. You're the faithful. Come on. Moses, I'll use you because you're faithful. Paul, I trust you, Paul, to be an apostle. I know you had a past. I know what happened to Stephen. Paul, I'll use you. Simon Peter, you denied me, but I see greater in you. You got the keys of the kingdom. I hit here. They are. I trust you with the kingdom. Come on, what are you going to do with the time that God's given you? What are you going to do with the talent that God's given you? There's more for you. And you come here today wanting to know. I come to tell you there's a destiny and a purpose. God's going to use you to do great things. Hallelujah. You've come here today seeking direction. And I come to tell you God has more for you. He wants to hand you the kingdom. He wants to give you responsibility. In the name of Jesus, everybody all over the building, I want you reaching out to God right now. The Lord's going to use me today. There's a kingdom of God. There's a kingdom of God. It's what you were called to be a part of. Not just a church, but a kingdom. I want us all in the building to pray. You can come to the altar, kneel in your seat, but I want us to talk to God about being faithful.
Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.